hun, it's me, Danielle. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a bonus episode of From Hunts to Humans. I'm really excited today to start this um, new little bonus series that I want to do, which is just getting some additional information out there to you guys about how we can start other businesses that are not multi-level marketing. Um, So I found Amy Suto on, did I say it right? Okay, on TikTok, and I um, I asked her if she wanted to do an episode with me and kind of share her story. Um, it sounds like she has an interesting story about how she went into Hollywood and how she escaped Hollywood and also how she started her own business. So I'm excited to for you to share and to share all of the resources that you've gathered. And um, yeah, hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Danielle. I'm excited to, to be here. Um, yeah, to make this work. Yeah, no, I, it's so funny, because I do believe that like, kind of putting things into perspective, Hollywood is the biggest multi-level marketing scheme of the entire world. Um, We just don't know it yet. (laughs) Um, Because it's just so it's so fascinating, because I so I went through the whole system, I I went to film school at USC, I uh, studied screenwriting there, I when I graduated, I immediately was placed into an agency where I worked as an assistant to TV film and TV and film agents. Um, and then I worked for showrunners and then eventually worked my way up to get an episode of TV that I wrote. Um, and my name was on the screen and, um, and I realized what a scam it was. (laughs) And so it was so crazy because it was like, this was a dream that I had had since I was like a little girl. Like I, this was what I wanted to do. Like I knew I wanted to be a writer. I knew I wanted to be like a TV writer and a novelist. And Hollywood does such a good job of selling this dream that then film schools co-opt to uh, make you pay a uh, hundred thousand dollars in coition or tuition. Uh, and what is so crazy is that everybody just kind of perpetuates this, this scam that if you move to Hollywood and you pay your dues, you're going to get there. And I know people who are in their thirties and forties still paying their dues as minimum wage assistants and will never get the thing that all of their showrunners promise because I too have been, um, a victim of a lot of broken promises and people who need to keep cheap labor in the industry. And so it's really, really insane. But the way that I kind of got out of it was through freelance writing. And so when I was working my way up as an assistant and working these really brutal minimum wage jobs, 
I started doing freelance writing on the side and I started doing memoir ghostwriting. And what I started to see is that while I was slaving away these like horrible uh, TV and film jobs that were supposed to be my dream, suddenly these people who were my clients as, as a freelance writer were flying me out all over the world to write their memoirs and were paying me like 10 times more than I would ever make in Hollywood. And it was so crazy because I was like, no, 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 <laughs> this can't be freelance writing can't be my dream. People don't don't move across the country and start their life in Los Angeles to be a freelance writer. No way. Um, and then I remember that I went up for a job that um, was another assistant job, but it was going to be on a show that I was really excited about. And then I didn't get it. And they offered me uh, another assistant job that was like a demotion from where I was. And this was after I'd already gotten my episode of television that had been produced and made. This was after I had managers. This was after I was going on staffing meetings. And I was like looking at down the barrel at another assistant job. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing this. And so I walked away from that job and then I booked a ticket to um, Paris and Berlin and I took my freelance work with me and my laptop and I started working remotely from other countries. And since then I've grown my freelance business from $4,000 a month to $32,000 a month. And it has been an incredible ride, incredible journey. And it has kind of taken me escaping the cult of Hollywood to, to get here and recognizing that I have a, like a true worth and value that I've cultivated in my skills outside of an industry telling me that I'm only worth what they they think that I'm worth wow holy crap <laughs> like, yeah that's so cool and like honestly I mean free like writing in general has never like I never would have even known as like a young person growing up to like do freelance writing like I wouldn't have even thought of that like I used to really like creative writing when I was younger and I was pretty good at it. And I sh I'm sure if I had taken more like classes, I would have been really good at it if I like honed my skills. Um, but like, I never would have thought to do that. So I feel like this is a whole like market of work that people don't even consider. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And so the way that I found freelance writing is that I just followed a bunch of blogs on the internet. And I, I always used to read this blog called The Freelancer's Year. And I watched her at every month, like kind of create like she was a travel writer. She still is. And she's amazing. And so and she would just kind of say, I got paid this much for this article, this much for this article. I got a free trip to this place. And I started seeing that like people could make money as a freelance writer. And I started thinking, oh, it would be so nice if I could travel and write for a living. That sounds awesome. That's kind of what I wanted to do when I came to Hollywood was to be able to travel and do the things that I wanted to do. Um, and then the pieces that really kind of started to fall into place was when I realized that freelancing was actually a perfect medium for people who are creatives and who have other projects beyond, uh, beyond their freelance writing. Writing. And so I also write novels, I produce scripted podcasts. And so I do a lot of like other other kind of creative things as well as my my freelance work because it affords me a lot of time to kind of do what I want. And like that's crazy. <laughs> but like nobody tells you about that. And especially because there's so much more remote work right now and everybody is so comfortable with Zoom. Freelancing has only become more popular and there's more opportunities than ever because all these companies are are more excited to hire freelance talent that is flexible rather than bringing on more full-time employees, especially in, in, in the potential recession we're in right now. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, thinking about like as a company, if you can hire someone for a couple of months and not have to pay them all of like the benefits package and all of that stuff, and they can just pay them a flat rate or whatever, um, however your contracts are negotiated, I think that that's 
a big savings and a big win for those companies. And also it's a great way for people that are looking for more of that quote unquote time freedom that we were promised in multi-level marketing. Like you're able to be like, okay, like I'm going to take on this job for X amount of months or X amount of weeks or however long. And then I'm going to take a break and go and do this or go and do that. And that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, and, and I think the thing about freelancing is like, it does take like time and energy and effort and strategy to kind of build up. Like, how do I get clients that I'm passionate about? Like, what is my niche? What am I specializing in? And so there is like a level of like difficulty in the beginning that you have to kind of grind through to get to the other side. So it's not in any way like easy money, but it is rewarding once you're able to kind of build that career and kind of figure out like, what are the things that I love to do every day and how can I package my skills and sell them to other people and help them achieve their goals? And so it's, it's very like, it's, it's so cool to see that like exchange of like value and that exchange of like, oh, like I can write this like webpage for you and it's going to be awesome and get you like traffic for the people that you want to visit. Or I will like write your life story so that your kids can remember you and remember like everything that you went through. And so it's really, it's really satisfying to be able to see real value being created by the work that you're doing as a freelancer. And that's why I love it so much. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay. So Let's say somebody listening right now is like, you know what, this is amazing. I need to get started. What would you say like the first like three steps would be for someone to get started as a freelancer? Yeah. The first thing is to understand what you're really excited by and what you're passionate about. Because the thing that will be your secret weapon as a freelancer is understanding the intersection of what people will pay you for and what you love and what you're good at. And so trying to kind of get to that, that core is really important because if you're, if you're doing something that you love and that you're passionate about every day, you are going to be so competitive in the freelance market because you just love it. <laughs> like you, you are naturally kind of excited to dive in and learn more about this field and this profession. And so that's the most important thing. And so people should spend the most time thinking about that and exploring. And one thing that I love to do when I was kind of like, when I was earlier in my freelance career was I would go on freelance platforms like Upwork and I would look through other freelancers profiles and be like, oh, what do you specialize in? Because there are people who literally build entire freelance careers off of Pinterest marketing services or just really niche things that you haven't heard of. Or I remember I ran into a copywriter who just writes copy for uh, manufacturing and construction and has an entire career. And I ran into people who focus only only on celebrity memoirs. Uh, and there's kind of like an interesting like niche for every different person. And um, and I think that that's something that like a lot of people don't understand is that like that, that exploration phase is really important to figure out what you love and what you're good at. And then kind of figuring out how does your skill, like how can you monetize your skills? Like I met this photographer um, at a freelancer event who makes six figures a year doing product photography and brands just sent him free stuff and he's traveling the world and he takes some beautiful photos and then spends the rest of the day off and gets to keep the products. Uh, and I remember we met for coffee and he's like, just a second. And he like set up a little like display and like with like a few like skincare products, like snapped a picture at the coffee shop and I was like, here you go. <laughs> and so it's kind of cool to see those different ways that people can kind of monetize and, and find cool things to do. Um, and there's a lot of out of the box things that you probably aren't thinking of that people are gonna need help with. Like uh, there's a lot of like kind of growing need for like AR and VR like artists and people to create things in, in different planes for different apps and stuff. And so there's a lot of things you can do as a freelancer. I know everyone thinks of freelance writing first, and that's what I gravitated to because I'm a, a freelance writer, but there's a lot of different ways. So after you've you kind of figured out, all right, I know I want to do this. 
the next thing that you should do is just start to put yourself out there and kind of start to see if you like doing that thing in practice. And I always recommend that people start a freelance account on a platform like Upwork or Contra or something like that, because it's a very good low stakes way to get started. And those platforms provide the contracts for you. They provide the payment like structure. They make sure that your clients pay you. And they, they offer kind of like a level of protection if you're a new freelancer trying not to get scammed and trying to find good clients. And so once you've kind of jumped onto those platforms, uh, you should start applying to jobs that are exciting for you and kind of see what comes up. Because I remember when I was scrolling through Upwork, I came across a job listing for a memoir ghostwriter. And at that time, I had never written a memoir before. <laughs> and somebody took a chance on me. And that was really cool because I went down this path of like, I've written about five or six memoirs at this point for uh, really incredible people from firefighters to Himalayan monks to Silicon Valley CEOs. And I really, really love the work. It's been incredible incredibly rewarding. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of start to do more like exploration about what you actually like, what clients that you like, um, and start to, to do that. And then you also need to think about the business side of freelancing in terms of what should your hourly rate be? What are your monthly expenses, both for personal expenses and your freelance expenses? And so I have a guide on my website that's my freelancing 101 guide that goes kind of into detail about how to calculate this stuff and how to kind of think about the, 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 the combination of figuring out what you're good at and uh, also bringing in the business side to market your skills. Yeah, that's so cool. And that's so awesome that you have um, free resources. I mean, that's how I found you, right? Was your free resource of TikTok. Um, so what are some other resources um, that like you provide to people? Like, so if people are connecting with you and they want to hear more advice from you what where can they find you yeah so you can go to my website amysuto.com so s-u-t-o or you can go to my tiktok pseudoscience uh, and on my website on my homepage, i have a freelancing 101 guide that breaks down all of my resources I do um, a lot of different things where I have a ton of free blog articles, including a lot of blog articles from when I was getting started and just figuring things out and dealing with those really early hurdles. Um, and then I also have a course on how I made over $200,000 on Upwork on Udemy. That's the best-selling course there. And then I also do um, some one-on-one -on -one meetings with people who need that extra support um, because I found that for some people, they're dealing with something that is very specific and they're needing help with a problem. So I have 30-minute and 60-minute calls that I can do with people as well. That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> um, okay. I know I have more questions. Hold on. My brain just like went <laughs> in like a million. And like, uh, we'll say all of those things like again at the end and I'll put all of that information in the show notes too. That way people can like cool. easily find, find you. Cause that's super important. But um, what was I going to say? Oh my gosh. Brain <laughs> Um, okay. So just kind of for, for our audience, like how, how do you feel about like MLMs and like, what do you notice about like that community and how does it affect like your, you know, freelance work? Yeah, I think, uh, I think MLMs are just such a, such a horrible, uh, they're just such a horrible way that people prey on oftentimes women who are just trying to figure out how to make it work. And I've talked to a lot of freelancers who are, are mothers and trying to look after their kids and trying to figure out how they can actually have that flexible job that affords them time to stay at home. And so 
it's really heartbreaking to me because I've seen a lot of my friends from from high school get sucked into these things because it's just it, it seems so attractive and they're marketed so well, especially to people who really want to believe that they're going to work. And I think that anything that feels too good to be true, anything that feels like a get rich quick scheme, uh, unfortunately, usually isn't because even with freelancing, it's taken me about three years of part-time freelancing and two years of full-time freelancing to get to where I am today. So it's taken me about five, almost six years to like fully get through my full freelance journey to get to where I am today. And so these things, the, the things that actually are sustainable sources of income take quite a bit of time. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's, that's hard. And that's so hard because it's like, nobody tells you this. Nobody tells you to expect this. Even when I was in film school, the the professors and the institution were all about trying to like get us so excited that once you graduate film like film school like you're gonna be you're gonna sell your script here's all the other people that sold their script when they left and so they try to like get you excited about like the like the once you graduate you're you've been so prepared by the best film school on the earth to like to like get your dream and uh that reminds me of mlms because it's just like oh yeah this thing it's gonna be so easy you've done all the work it's there and then it's not, and then you have to figure out for yourself, okay, well, what is actually ways that can create value? Because I think that at the end of the day, when it comes to running your own business or um, making money as a freelancer, it's all about how do I create value that other people can make use of and how do they receive value and how do they like put, put a monetary value on, on the work that I'm doing and trying to figure out that balance. And I think in freelancing, you still have to stay away from some of the more common scams that come up in terms of uh, there's a lot of like, uh, like, like credit card scams and things that you'll run into with clients who want to like send you a check and then the check is over the amount that the job was for. And like, there's some things like that to look out for. So anything that feels fishy, anything that feels not quite right, probably isn't. So you kind of need to follow your gut with some of those things. Um, but, and you also need to make sure that you're not taking on jobs as a freelancer that feel like they should be full-time jobs. People are just trying to hire you as a freelancer so that they, they can like get out of paying you benefits. And it's still like right. $15, $20 an hour. And that's not, it's not a freelancing job. Like freelancing jobs should ideally pay way more than 20, $25 an hour because you as a freelancer are responsible for your health insurance and your benefits. And so by nature of being a freelancer and these companies getting your talent on demand, you should be charging 30, 40, 50, 60, hundreds of dollars an hour in order to like justify the fact that you are on demand talent. Somebody is getting your time and talent on demand on a flexible way. They don't have to pay employment taxes or benefits or anything. So they should pay a premium for you. And so I think it's really breaking out of that mindset of um, and realizing that you're that you truly have things of value to to do and that you have skills that you can continue to hone and grow and kind of and continue to price at a higher rate. People just don't tell you that you can do this. <laughs> because I think also I also think freelancing is is basically going completely against the model of like American capitalism, because if everyone were freelancers, we would all be able to much more easily negotiate for higher salaries, because as a freelancer, you set your own rates with every project, every client, every like time of the year, you get to decide if you want to uh, do a rush fee, if somebody's making you work over the weekend, like you, you have complete control of how much you charge, who you work with, and when you stop working with them, depending on what your contracts are. And so it, it goes against this model of like being an employee where a boss is telling you what to do. And if you don't, you lose your health insurance, you lose everything. When you're a freelancer, you have a lot more power because you have a ton of different clients and projects. And ideally you're also building other forms of passive income and kind of, and investing and trying to find other ways so that you're not dependent on your clients 
and you have the power to raise your rates and to protect yourself and walk away from situations that aren't good for you. And so I think that that is in direct opposition to uh, the kind of way that American capitalism exploits workers, and which is why there's so much tension against freelancers. And it's why it is hard to do certain things like qualify for a mortgage as a freelancer. Um, I've seen uh, realtors who are technically freelancers be unable to get an apartment because they can't prove income, even though they're selling houses and like have a ton of money. <laughs> and it's kind of crazy to see the way that that people who are freelancers and not employees are kind of seen to be at a disadvantage in the system, despite the fact that we have the biggest leverage. Right, exactly. Um, okay, so what I think that one of the things that gets in the way of a lot of people starting their own businesses is start, startup cost and not really understanding what startup costs are. Could we talk a little bit about what that looks like for you? Yeah, definitely. And so I think what I kind of why I love the the freelance platform model is that, and while these freelance platforms do take a good chunk of your earnings, platforms like Contra don't take any commission, but platforms like Upwork can take anywhere from five to twenty percent, depending on how much you build with the client. So it's you've got to keep in mind that that is also because these platforms are are hopefully giving you some sort of value, but um, uh, you need to make sure that they're worth it. But when it comes to those early startup costs, if you're freelancing through a platform, you don't have to pay for a contract. Um, you can even hook up your um, your 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 uh, freelance bank account if you have it to QuickBooks and do your own bookkeeping. Um, you don't even have to start your own LLC right away as a freelancer. You can just be a sole proprietor and you can just have the money from your freelancing go directly to your personal bank account. Um, and so when you're really just kind of experimenting and getting started and, and treating it like a side hustle, the only sort of costs are going to be the um, the amount of money that it costs for their subscription to the, one of these platforms if you're doing that. So that'll probably be about $20 a month. And then um, and then if you pay for connects, which is like Upwork's uh, kind of tokens that you use to bid on jobs, um, that, that can range anywhere from $20, $40, $100 a month, depending on how many jobs you're bidding on. Um, and then the platform's going to take a cut of whatever you make. And so then that's another cost that you have to put into account also. And so that's kind of like the, the initial cost is it'll be a few hundred dollars a month just for that. And then you're going to want to, if you're a freelancer, even if you don't have your own LLC, you're going to want to hire a good tax, uh, 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 a good CPA for tax season because you do not want to handle your own taxes as a freelancer and they get pretty complicated and you can write off so much. You can write off your home office and so many other things. Um, and so it's really important that you get a really good attorney or sorry, tax CPA um, uh, who can kind of like sit down with you and like look at all of your expenses and help you with during tax season. Um, so that person could be $200 for a tax session or whatever kind of your, your local tax CPA is. Um, and so it is like within the hundreds of dollars per month to start as a freelancer and where the costs kind of start to like get a little bit more intense is when you decide to go full-time freelance because then a few other things fall into place. Like you need to start to think about, okay, how do I like, like supplement all of the benefits? Like how do I pay for my own health insurance? And every state is totally different when it comes to health insurance. And I know that this is the thing that keeps people from freelancing and I have an autoimmune condition and I know the, the, the deep cost of healthcare in America and it is, it is steep. <laughs> um, the thing that worked for me is that I got um, like a $350 plan per month from um, um, California's uh, Color California market. And then I paired it with a, an HSA, which you can get as, a, as an individual freelancer. You don't need that to get that through a corporation. And the HSA has a bunch of tax benefits because it's a health savings account. 
Um, and you can kind of treat it like an investment account and then also use it for qualified health purchases. Um, so there's a lot of kind of intricacies like that that you can talk to your, your CPA about, but then you, you do have to cover your own health insurance. You do need to start open something like a Roth IRA to contribute to your own retirement. Um, and then you also eventually want to spend uh, the money to create an LLC to protect you legally. And so that can cost, you know, it might cost you $800 to get that set up initially. And then um, depending on what your state is, you might have certain taxes associated with that. Um, and then it depends if you want to do your own bookkeeping. So it kind of depends on like how far along you are in your freelance journey, what those expenses are and how much you're going to spend. Uh, I have a freelance uh, uh, calculator on my website that kind of goes into depth of some of the common expenses that you have. Um, but it just kind of, it, it just kind of depends on like how deep are you into your journey and you can continue to invest in different things that make your life easier as a freelancer, such as hiring a bookkeeper, which is what I did pretty early on. And it was a lifesaver because I, I, numbers are not my friend. Uh, and so it kind of just depends on where, what you want to invest in. Do you want to pay for what, like a website and website hosting? Um, and there's a lot of affordable plans for that as well. And what is really cool is that a lot of these expenses are also tax deductions and they're business write-offs. And so they actually kind of are, even though they're, they seem like a lot of expenses up front, you can write them off in your taxes depending on what they are. Right. And so uh, do you want to explain what a tax write-off is to the MLM, ex-MLM <laughs> community? Because uh, yes. uh, that is something that in MLM, they're just like, everything's a write-off. And then um, they don't, no one really understands what it is. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So everything is not a write-off. <laughs> and I try, I wish, I wish it would be uh, as a, as a freelancer who travels so much, I wish everything that I did was business travel, but it is not. Uh, and so I think the most important thing is to find a good CPA who can help you because they will be worth their weight in gold. Like any amount that you're paying a great uh, accountant is going to just pay off for you in the long run. So finding a great accountant is really important. And uh, there's a lot of different things that you can write off. And so there are things like you can write off if you have a separate room in your house that you use for your office, you can write off the part of your rent or mortgage that you pay for that room and that square footage, along with any bills and utilities that go along with that. If you need to buy a new computer for your freelance work, that's a tax write off. And you can write that off on your taxes so you don't have to pay that amount and or you can get that amount back in your in your taxes if you if you paid it up front. Um, you can also, I go to a lot of conferences as a freelancer. So I went to uh, uh, New York for NFT New York. And so that was a tax write-off because I was going to a business event for business and to network with clients. And so there's a few different ways that you can uh, kind of create um, business tax write-off events. Um, and there's a lot of common expenses that you can just simply write off on your taxes as well. And, and it, it, this becomes a lot easier accounting wise when you have your own bank account um, and, and you're able to basically uh, kind of run all your purchases through that. But basically anything, the IRS kind of has a whole, like plenty of websites and documentation about this, but anything that is considered a normal and necessary business expense for you as a freelancer is a tax write-off that you can claim on your taxes. That's so important to know and so like the way i understand it and i this is kind of what you said but i just want to say it one more time so what happens for a tax write-off is for your business you spend this money and like you write down somewhere how much that is and when it comes down to do your taxes you say hey i spent x amount of money on this for my business and then instead of paying the government in taxes you get to keep it yes that's correct that's a great way of, of explaining it yeah 
Um, and so, and that's, and especially if you, if you run payroll for yourself, so a lot of freelance corporations, like you need, in order to get paid, you have to pay yourself through your corporation. So there's going to be automatic withholding happening there. And then, so that money is going to be put away. And then at the end of the year, when you do your taxes, you get that back if you have enough tax write-offs. And so it's kind of like free money <laughs> or a great, a great savings account. Um, and so, yeah, it's really important to take advantage of those. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. I um, am making the transition to move to full-time private practice uh, right now. And I just bought myself a new office chair because this one is like eight years old and I have like seven blankets piled up underneath me because the cushion's all gone. And I was like, the business needs this. Yes. <laughs> and I was so excited. And I was like, I actually have legitimate standing to buy this now. <laughs> definitely um yeah that was really helpful I think that's a really good like explanation so uh one of the things that you were talking about were these uh websites that you can kind of like host yourself on um and that well they host and then you can take jobs from that's kind of how I understood that so yeah. for those ones are you paying an upfront fee or are they just taking a cut so unfortunately you have to do both because uh, these platforms, uh, they, they are they're a little pricey when you consider that. So basically you pay a monthly fee for a subscription if you have like a pro account. Some of these platforms don't have like have like free accounts with like limited uh, features. And then you're paying per job that you submit. They have like a certain number of connects, um, which is uh, for Upwork specifically. And then, and then they also take a cut of your earnings. So it is hefty. But the thing that I do like about Upwork is if you're brand new and just getting started to being a freelancer, then you can really understand how to pitch yourself for these opportunities, what kind of opportunities are out there, and you can meet clients who want to hire you now. And then Upwork is also great because they offer a payment protection. And I've had this happen to me a few times where I would do a job, I'd be logging hours, and then it became it came time for the client to pay the bill, and then their credit card got declined or they didn't have the money or they backed out. And normally as a freelancer, you'd be kind of like, oh, okay. And you wouldn't be able to do anything about it, but Upwork still pays you no matter what. And so it is kind of worth that subscription and, and cut because I've had a lot of instances where that's happened, especially earlier on in my career when I was taking on clients that I didn't really know and weren't very professional. And when you're, when you're working for individuals compared to startups and corporations, which is kind of where I'm at now, then there's a lot more risk of the person not being able to pay you. And so it's really important to kind of consider the pros and cons of some of these platforms that will ensure that you get paid when you've done the work and follow the, the rules of the platform. And so that is the, the upside of platforms like Upwork, even though they do take quite a bit. Um, I have done some incredible projects on those platforms. And another thing that people don't realize is that when you're scrolling through the job board, you'll see jobs that are listed at $20 an hour, $30 an hour, and you're like, oh, nothing pays well. But what I've done is I've gone into these jobs and I've sent a message to these people and been like, hey, I know that your job is posted at $20 an hour, but my rate is $3.50 an hour and here's the value I bring. Let me know if you want to meet. And I've actually gotten a ton of jobs off of that. And so part of these platforms is for you to learn like how to pitch yourself and your value at these different rates and how to land these jobs where they these people don't know how much a good freelancer costs. They don't know how much that, that the market rate of somebody that they want to hire is. So they just put in whatever number they think is right. And you kind of have to kind of educate them on like, here's the value that I can, like, I can give to you at this price point. Um, and then you can also create package rates. And there's a lot of different kind of ways that you can do structured pricing for people to jump in and get excited to work with you. And so you can kind of like learn all of that and 
get to know what your market rate is as a freelancer starting on platforms like this. Yeah. So I think if you kind of think of it as like, this is like the entry level job that you're like, not always getting paid the best at. And like, just like, think of it more as like the fees are kind of part of that entry level work. Um, like it kind of makes sense to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're just getting paid less than you would if you were doing it on your own, which is true anywhere. Right. Like, I, I mean, I can take myself as an example of like, I work at an agency right now and now I'm going to go to private practice and I will make more because I don't have to pay. I don't have to pay a CEO and uh, upper management for me to do my work. I can just pay myself and pay my business and do all of the things. So like you're cutting, like you're, you're starting out with like a middleman, like these websites are your middleman at first. And then as you grow and as you build a portfolio, you can kind of be like, okay, like I get it. I can do this on my own now. Yeah. And that's why I'm a huge proponent of freelancers having their own websites and their own blogs, because no matter what you do, you should be putting yourself out there either on a blog or on social media saying, this is what I do. This is what I'm great at. And this is where you can hire me. And I, I've been blogging for the last like 10 or 12 years. And my blog has gotten me hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of projects. I have found so many amazing people. I've met really cool peers and collaborators through who just like stumbled upon a blog post that I, I, I wrote because they found it on Google. And so it's been really neat to meet people who were able to start to find me and get inbound traffic because I've just been putting out the things that I'm excited about and writing about the services that I offer. And so that's really important is to make sure that you have to be findable as a freelancer. For anybody to find you, find you and hire you, you have to put out content. You have to reach out to people. I do a lot of cold emailing for projects that I'm really passionate about. Like I found this really incredible company that is trying to um, fund uh, rare disease research uh, through Web3 technology and cryptocurrency and trying to figure out like how to accelerate research for drugs that people overlook because they're for rare diseases. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And it's called like Vibe Bio. Uh, and I'm like all about this. And so I just sent them like a cold email love letter. And I've gotten quite a bit of, of meetings off of these cold emails where I'm just like, hey, want to level with you. I know, I don't know if you're looking for a copywriter or a storyteller, but I would love to help you because I love your mission. And I, it just completely resonates with me. Like, let me know if I can pop on a call and that works a lot. <laughs> and even if they're like, oh no, sorry, then you've at least like, you've done your best to put yourself out there. And I think that's really important. So the difference between this cold email versus a hey girl cold email <laughs> is that you are not thinking no means maybe later. It means no, leave me alone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> like, I, I totally agree with you. And I think I talk about this often that MLM like takes a lot of legitimate business things and taints them. So now like for me, even hearing you say that, I was like, oh my God, you cold email people. And then I was like, Danielle, like you have to like put yourself <laughs> out there. Like on some level, somebody has to be like, like somebody has to make the first move. Right. And sometimes it is the companies and sometimes it has to be the person that's selling the product. Um, Definitely. And I think yeah. that that's important for us to all like, remember as we're talking about this, because we all have to take a second. Cause I know that everyone just went. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important to know that, uh, well, I think that at least one upside, I guess, of, of having gone through the MLM scheme is that you, 
you probably have a lot of marketable skills. You just need to market them differently. <laughs> like I, yeah, I think that I feel the same way about Hollywood. It's like, I went through this gauntlet of like incredibly exploitative jobs. Um, but I came through with like the ability to pitch and the ability to tell stories and the ability to work with difficult personalities. And so I think that even though if you've gone through a traumatic MLM experience, like you've also come out with skills that you didn't have before and knowledge that you didn't have before. So you'll be able to spot scams more easily. You'll be able to uh, do cold emailing better and understand like how to kind of tweak it based on like your new, your new goal. So I, I do think that there are some silver linings on things. Absolutely. I think that like a lot of what you've said, there's a lot of things in MLM that like we were trained to do that you could absolutely transfer over to what like you're doing on your own, but you're doing it all the right way, the professional way, like you're have appropriate boundaries and like, you know, you have complete control over what you're doing and it's up to you how much of like your personal life you want to share versus um, in MLM, like there was a lot of being told to like tell about your trauma or tell about like, like your diseases or things like that to try to get people to buy your products um, and market yourself and like just like being able to have control over those things and not use like your sob story, I guess, as like a manipulation tactic is really cool to just like have that power over your life and over your story and over like everything you're doing. Definitely. Yeah, no, I think it's important. And I think that, yeah, running a, a real business should feel, should feel empowering and exciting and it should feel like you're, you're, you're being respected and you're respecting others' boundaries and it should feel yeah, there should be like a level of normalcy and safety in it where it, anytime that you're in an environment where even if it's like a legitimate client who's like pushing your boundaries or like calling you at weird hours or asking you to work on weekends when you told them that you didn't, like anytime you're in an environment where you don't feel safe, you don't feel respected, you should get out of there. <laughs> like this is, I, I've dropped like legitimate clients that were paying me a lot of money because I was like, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel right. And so I think it's like, you, you should always trust your gut and understand like what your boundaries are and how you want to be treated. And I think that that's really important for understanding like the types of clients or the types of people that you want to work with and how you want to operate as a freelancer, as a business owner in your own life. So for people who are thinking like, uh, maybe they just want to side hustle or maybe they just want to kind of dip their toe in, like what would like, what could this look like for those people? Definitely. So I was a side hustle freelancer for about three years because I was still like, dead set on Hollywood, dead set I was going to do this. And so I would just do freelancing in my free time. And I just take on the jobs that I was really excited about. I did occasional memoirs and, and nonfiction books. Um, and I was making like pretty easily 4,000 and sometimes $6,000 a month in those like side hustle jobs. And like, I was pretty easily out, out earning my minimum wage job in freelancing. And yet I just, I couldn't quit because I, I wanted to be in Hollywood so badly. And so had I not been, uh, working so hard at these like minimum wage jobs and spending so much time on like my own creative work, if I was just working kind of like a traditional nine to five. Um, I'm sure that I could have made a lot more. <laughs> um, but the thing when you're when you're doing freelance as a side hustle is to not burn yourself out. And so I was working pretty unhealthy hours. I was working like 12 to 14 hour days at my my day job. And so I would take freelance calls with my clients like on my drive home at eight or nine PM at night. I would take calls on my lunch break. I would work on weekends as a freelancer. Um, because I was trying to figure out like what this thing was and 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 trying to understand. And it was so crazy because I would I would make like 
my whole like month's salary as an employee in like sometimes a few days as a freelancer. And so there's a lot of potential when it comes to freelancing, but the goal is to not burn yourself out and get caught into some sort of hustle culture trap. I think that freelancing is, is very prone to be part of hustle culture unless you set your own boundaries. And so that's something that I think gets lost in translation where people immediately think freelancer, gig worker and hustle culture. Like they think that if you're a freelancer, then it's the same category as like driving for Uber Eats and, and doing all of these really low paying exploitative jobs that have just become kind of normalized in our society. When in reality, as a freelancer, you should be developing skills that, that are um, professionally viable that can be used in circumstances where people are hiring you to write something or take a, a, a photo of something and, and trying to like use your kind of like higher level skills and should be paying you more for it. So anything that is kind of in the addition to your day job or inside hustle territory should feel incredibly fulfilling. <laughs> it should be fun. It should be like, it should feel very cool. And anytime you're working with clients that aren't collaborative or giving you really harsh notes or not being respectful of your time and, and the way that you're working, you should drop them immediately and not even worry if they leave you a bad review because it's really important for you if you're having this inside hustle territory that you're protecting your time and energy because it's just so easy to burn out when you're working two jobs and so easy to burn out or just kind of like lean into hustle culture. And so the more that you're leaning into the fun and the passion of freelancing, the more like success you're going to have anyways, because you're doing it for the love of it. Um, and you don't need to make money from it if it's a side hustle. And while you still do need to make money from it, you should do it in a way that feels fulfilling to you rather than just taking on any job that says yes. I love that. Um, okay. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you was you've talked very freely about money, which I really appreciate. I think that that's a thing that women in our society, like we need to be talking about this more and being more open about it, but I know a lot of people feel uncomfortable about it. So, um, you threw out some numbers out there. What are some of the, like the butts or the, like, um, just like, what are some of the downfalls, some of the traps or like or what, like, so you throw out some numbers such as like around $4,000. Uh, I can't remember if that was like in a month, I think you said. Yeah, that was in a month, yeah. So is there a but there? It, like, is that <laughs> like a realistic number that somebody could go in and expect to make? Like what, I know that you you built your business up really high now, but so as a, like, so say a side hustler or somebody just starting, is that like really a realistic number? Because like, I'm just putting it out there because we're used to these income disclosures that mm -hmm. are really making zero dollars here. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, no, no. I completely believe in income transparency. And yeah, I have a lot of articles on my blog that kind of hopefully have some clarity of like money. And especially when I was making in the early days, um, I'll use an example of a friend that I helped get into freelancing recently. Uh, he does have a TV writing background. He doesn't have anything like and any TV credits, but he's worked in the TV space. And so, and he's completely new to freelancing. He just started freelancing like in the last like six months. And he started very seriously taking it, like freelancing, like as like his kind of core source of income in the last like two months. And he's averaging about four to $5,000 a month right now. Um, and he just started like two months ago. I just helped him redo his Upwork profile, kind of like helped him with like a lot of different kind of pieces of his freelance life. And he just like got this really cool job that is going to pay $4,000 a month every month, uh, doing something really exciting in the, in the writing space. So it is, it is possible to make $4,000, $6,000 a month as a new freelancer, just getting started. Um, the, the, but there is that you do need a strong portfolio. Like you do need to have samples that you can develop 
And like for him, he had samples from his writing life before. Um, he had some things that he created specifically for his freelance portfolio. Uh, so, so the but there is that you do need a strong portfolio and you do need to know how you're going to freelance. And there are going to be industries that are going to pay way more, which is why I'm always telling people to get into tech in some form. And if people hear tech and they're like, oh, but I, I'm not a technical person. You don't have to be. Um, you don't need to be a technical person to write for tech because people who are in tech often can't write for themselves or can't take photos for themselves or need artists. And so in the tech world, there's an insane demand for storytellers, writers, photographers, AR artists. Um, uh, and there's so much kind of potential there. And I've seen my income like triple since I started working in tech. And working in tech could be something like writing scripts for an ed tech company for an educational course they're developing. It could be writing content or blogs for a tech company. It could be doing copywriting. It could be, there's so many other things outside of writing as well. And so if you're able to pick an industry and a niche that is already high paying and anything in marketing, like we, all these companies have a budget for marketing. And so if you're doing something that is relating to marketing, bringing this company money directly from your work, then you're going to be able to charge a lot more. And if you're working in something tech or tech adjacent, you're also going to see huge increases in your salary because of all the VC money that is in, in tech, especially like even right now with like the, the, the web three crypto crash and like tech stocks kind of, uh, tech, tech, tech companies doing layoffs, like there's still a, a, a huge demand for freelancers because of these uncertain times. And so it's trying to figure out like, how can you pick a niche uh, and pick skills that you have that you can quickly create a portfolio uh, that you can kind of develop a portfolio that is very indicative of the work that you can do and then pick a niche that is that has a lot of money to spare. Because I've met with some freelancers where they've been working in some very, they've been doing a ton of great work for something very obscure <laughs> where there's not a lot of clients, there's not a lot of like investment money. And so they're working really, really hard, but they're just not making money in that niche. So I've had to help them kind of pivot and think about, oh, but you could take this skill and this work you're doing here and bring it into something tech adjacent or bring it into something marketing adjacent. Um, and that helps a lot to try to think about how can my skills make these companies money um, while still doing exactly what I wanna do every day. And so that might just be a shift of like, framing something, it might be creating packages for a certain type of client. Um, and it might be kind of having two types of clients that you work with one that is kind of more of like the passion side and one that is more um, kind of like carrying you financially, for example, I do a lot of copywriting. So writing copy for people's websites and, and, and writing a lot of like marketing focus, like ad copy. And then I also do storytelling and storylines for uh, a lot of different tech companies that need um, really creative work done. And so while both, like most of my kind of income comes from the copywriting side of things, because that's leading to sales and, and people need that no matter what. Uh, I really enjoy doing the, the storytelling for different like metaverse games and uh, a lot of really neat projects on that side as well. So it, it is a bit of a balance to kind of think about like what, where is the money? <laughs> um, because as a freelancer, you need to be working for people who can afford your rates and can, and are funded. Um, so how would you recommend, like, so say somebody just quit their MLM, they have no portfolio. How would you recommend getting started building that? And like, are there jobs that they could take to start building their pro portfolio along with doing some work on their own? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, if you if you have any friends that own businesses that you want to just reach out to and do work, that's a great way. And you can offer them discounts or free work. 
Um, uh, you could, even if you like have an idea for a sample that you really want to do and nobody will pay you for it, you should just write it yourself uh, because it's good practice and you're able to kind of write something that is fully indicative of your talents. So it's kind of a, a matter of uh, jumping on these freelance platforms, getting started, building your portfolio there and offering to do lower cost projects to prove that you're, that you're, that you have the skills and also building things for yourself and kind of testing out things and building your own portfolio items um, to learn and continue to kind of grow as a, a, a freelancer. And so it is a combination of you do need to spend time skill building and that's going to be unpaid at first. And then you can start to offer your skills to other people when you have those, those portfolio items and often have them pay you for them as well. That is going to be so helpful. I think that, you know, a lot of the like anxiety comes from just not really knowing where to start and not feeling like you have two feet to stand on in a lot of these jobs. So um, knowing that it is possible to just be like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to make some samples and it's going to be fine. Like that's just awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it could be as simple as writing on a blog or like starting a blog for your photography or for whatever you do for fun, because, and a lot of people have gotten hired as freelancers off of TikTok. And so you don't even have to write a blog if you're, if that's not your medium, you could, you could go on TikTok because uh, there was an article that came up the other day showing that TikTok is starting to take over a lot of search engine um, uh, searches opposed to Google. And so while people used to gravitate towards the blog format for getting eyeballs, introducing people to their work, TikTok and, and these other social media platforms are becoming that new discovery platform. And so the, goal, the whole goal is to figure out what do you really love to do and how can you just show your work to other people and how can you show your ideas to other people and show the legwork that you're putting in. And so I'm, I'm a huge proponent of people creating in public and, and, and showing their work and, and, and tweeting about the books that they're reading because somebody else might recommend you another book that you like based on your, what you're reading now and, and, and writing blog posts about like how you're feeling and things that you're dealing with like that you want to share. I remember I wrote a blog post about being an introvert and it like hit the first page of Google and I just got like tens of thousands of views like every day on this one blog post and people sending me emails and leaving comments and talking about how my post about introversion like helped them realize that they weren't alone. And so it's like there is some like satisfaction in sharing kind of your journey and your process and things you're thinking about uh, related to your freelance work and just related to your identity as a, a freelancer and a person in the world and the things that you are passionate about. And so it's really about trying to help people find you like that is kind of the first initial step is how help people find you and understand clearly what you're good at and how to hire you because people might stumble upon your page and be like oh my god your work is amazing but not understand that you are a freelancer and they can hire you and so it is kind of kind of making sure that your website and your social media have those call to actions where it's like like this work you can hire me <laughs> or uh, and like it, or this piece of art is for sale and so making sure that there are clear ways people can hire you without pushing it in their face all the time. Uh, and so it is kind of a delicate balance of like using those, those, those skills that you have and trying to kind of figure out how to uh, master the art of the soft sell of like writing a blog post of this is how you write a white paper for your company. And then at the end being like, does that sound complicated? I can do it for you. <laughs> you can click this button and hire me. And so it's like sharing your knowledge of like, this is how I approach this. I can do it for you if you'd like. And so it's kind of trying to figure out how to share your knowledge, especially if you are a knowledge worker or freelancer who your people value you for the knowledge that you have. Yeah, I, I love that. I'm personally someone who loves to just be like, oh, you know how to do this? Let me have you do it. Like, <laughs> uh, like for instance, I have a biller, like I, 
I know I could do my own billing for my practice, but I can't do it. And like, if I could, I want to hire someone to like do our one, like so bad, (laughs) but like, you know, like if you can hire someone to do the things that you don't want to do, you should hire them. That's the whole point of this world is that we have money to trade for services. So definitely trade them. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like nothing to be ashamed of. And I think that like, um, maybe like, at least for me, like in the, the MLM of Hollywood taught me, you can't sell yourself. You have to pay your dues. You have to accept the low rate. You can't bargain. You can't negotiate you. You get what you get and you have to make it work. Um, and I felt a lot of shame of having to like re unlearn all of that and then realize, no, my skills are valuable. I deserve to be paid for my time. I deserve to live a life where I don't have to worry about like, can I pay groceries or my rent next month? Like I don't, I deserve to have that financial security. And if somebody is going to ask me to write something for them, then they should pay me the rate that will help me be in a good mental state so that they can get great work and I can get my bills paid. And so it's kind of understanding that this transaction, which can feel icky, especially like, I think for women, especially it can feel like difficult to kind of get over some of the mental hurdles, especially when you start to get into like the upper echelons of like charging as an expert freelancer. Um, I use air quotes because <laughs> I think that my, my partner, uh, Kyle, he had to like really sit me down and be like, Amy, you are not charging enough for your services a few years ago. And I was like, what are you talking about? Nobody would ever pay me more than this. Like, this is impossible. This would never happen. And this is when I was charging $90 an hour. And my partner, Kyle was like, I see the way that you're on these calls with your clients. Like they love working with you. Like they, they get so much out of this relationship. You should charge more because you're working all hours of the day. And if you charge more and you lose a few clients, then you'll still be making the same amount of money just with fewer clients. You have more time. And he had to keep doing that with me every like few months as I was still drowning with clients and still felt that like, if I raised my rates, everybody would go away. And so I do think that there needs to be those champions in your life and, or, or I can be that champion across the internet for those people, because it's like, especially as women, it's so hard to wrap our minds around the fact that we should be paid more for our time and our work and we are worth it. And, and so I think that there is like a level of society, like training that has to be undone. And, and sometimes you just need another person telling you, yeah, you should charge more. Your time is worth it. You, you're absolutely right. I totally agree. And um, you're all worth it who are listening to make a livable wage, a, a more than a livable wage. We are all worth having a lifestyle where we can live comfortably. All right. Definitely. I don't think I have any more questions. Do you have anything that you think that we should talk about before I ask you my final question? Uh, no, I think I think I covered everything. Awesome. Um, and I just appreciate you so much for making time for me, uh, my random comments on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, so before I ask you, do you want to just say one more time what your uh, handles are and your blog and all of that stuff? And then, um, and like I said, I'll put them in the show notes for people too. Yeah. My blog is Amy Suto, S-U-T-O dot com. And my, uh, my TikTok is at Suto Science, my last name, Suto Science. Perfect. Um, and what is your anti-MLM why? Yeah, my anti-MLM why is to never kind of be part of an exploitative system ever again and to help other people avoid them as well. Because I think that there's so many things in this world that want to prey on us and our time and our, our skills. And I think that life's too short and we should all be able to travel and live comfortably and 
uh, yeah, and kind of escape the, the the cruel hustle culture and like the the scams of the world because there there is something better on the other side. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time and for being here today. This was so fun. And I, I'm just excited to offer this for people who are looking for more. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you are not subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast um, on whichever platform you are listening on and rate it with five stars. It really does help to boost it up on the algorithm for other peoples to find it. Um, And don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode if you really liked it and you can tag me in it. That way I can just know which episodes you guys really like. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Bye.